so most of the, the science that we usually are studied in and and uh, use when we talk to clients are are the science of decision making and and behavior change. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not specific to audio, but you know there are several. You know there's there's models of behavior change and there's you know things like the consequence model, the identity model, and so a lot of those things play into what we do audio wise and the intimacy of it. Um, you know, there are reasons why we engage with a certain brand and not others. There are reasons why we decide to change our behavior entirely mm-hmm. uh, or not, you know. So so I think that what we've become expert in and brought in people who are expert in is just what are those what are those things that are going to make someone go from never thought about it to, you know, huh, maybe or how am I going to find out more? To, I'm going to try it once to I do this all the time. Yeah. And, and how do you hit people on those continuum to try to get, try to make that happen? Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and this podcast will discuss just how sound influences our behavior. I generally talk about this in the context of advertising and marketing, but there are other places this is important too. I really feel that it plays a much more important role in our lives than maybe we realize. So let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my interview with Rudy Fernandez. My guest today is founder of Creative Outhouse and host of the Marketing Upheaval podcast. For more than 25 years, he's created brands and campaigns that change the way people think, feel, and act. He's a rare breed of creative who is not only passionate about the creative product, but also the science as to why people behave the way they do. And I'm particularly interested in talking with him about that aspect. His behavior change work has motivated millions of people to change the way they think about autism, convince them to choose alternatives to driving alone, get tested for HIV, and go back to school to earn a degree. He uses his unique perspective to help companies communicate their deeper purpose, win more fans, and strengthen their brands. His work encompasses all types of communication, whether it's advertising, PR activations, or internal communications. It doesn't matter because his work is centered around a powerful idea that's anchored in a human truth. I'm really pleased to be talking with Rudy Fernandez, and I know you're really going to enjoy this. So let's get started. Thanks so much for talking with me today, Rudy. I know there's a lot of weird stuff going on around lately. So you're at home, right? <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. This is right in the middle of COVID-19. So everybody's at home. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. 2020 will go down in histories. <laughs> yeah. So my, my dog may make an appearance. Uh, we don't know. Oh, well, that's we fine. We don't know what he's going to bark at. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So to get started here, I just want to sort of set the scene And I'm curious as to how you got interested in advertising in the first place. What's your background? What's your background in all this? Ah, that is, uh, I, my background is journalism. So growing up, I've always enjoyed writing and in high school, I actually wrote for several community papers and journalism was my thing. And I went to college, I studied at University of Florida, College of Journalism and Mass Communications. And one day my older sister was visiting and she said, what's mass communications? And I said, I don't know, advertising? She said, you should do that. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I got an internship and uh, and saw it, and it was pretty fascinating. And and uh, so I don't know how long you want the story to be, but I can add this part to it. So I as went long as you want with, it to be. <laughs> I, went, I went with some people who were in the ad college to New York because they had a trip. Mm-hmm. And we went to this agency, I think it was JWT, and it was 
they were talking about orange juice and there were all these guys in suits at the time people wore suits and it was so boring and I thought oh my god I'm not doing this <laughs> and, and as I was leaving there was a guy walking around in torn jeans and a pink shirt barefoot and I said what do you do and he said I'm a copywriter and I was like okay I can do that <laughs> So I guess it's the wardrobe. Is oh, okay, what, what hooked that's me. what that's attracted what you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess you know, being able to wear whatever you want and work from home, <laughs> you know, that yeah. works too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you also started out with Radio Outhouse back in two thousand one, yes. right? So that yes. was an in-house yes. studio. And what were you doing for your clients at that time? Well, we started it. It was it was actually an evolution from an agency that uh, we were part of before. And in 2001, you know, I live in Metro Atlanta and like any big metro area, people in their cars a lot. And radio was working really well for a lot of our clients. So um, uh, three of us uh, said, you know, we ought to just do radio. We love doing it. Um, My history as a copywriter, you know, I don't know if you know this, in an agency structure, in terms of a totem pole, radio writing is always thought of the lowest rung, you know, the, the new writer does that, mm-hmm. you know, the senior writers, they get the videos and the TV and the big production things and the big budgets. And then it's, oh, by the way, you do the radio. And then as you grow up in advertising, you phase out of that and the next guy does it. But I never phased out of that. <laughs> I've always uh, really loved the, the idea that as as a writer, I could control all aspects of this final product. I can. Sure. I can imagine it, write it, cast it, produce it, you know, select the music. I was in control of that, and no other medium allowed me to do that. I still love doing other things, of course, and and co-op and and you know, collaborating with other creatives who have different levels of different expertise. But in terms of the one medium where you can, you know, sort of control everything, and your vision is exactly what gets put out, good or bad, <clears throat> radio or any kind of audio is it. So Radio Outhouse was um, our creative company, a media buying placement company, and a production studio all teamed together. And we kept everything, you know, we, we had clients who who really needed to reach people while they were in their cars, and it, and it worked really well. We we did a lot of um, what's called behavior change marketing. We worked with the, uh, an organization called the Clean Air Campaign, was trying to get people to carpool or ride transit. I heard some a of those of trans- examples. Yeah, they were quite yeah. something. I left the B one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was really funny. That was funny. <laughs> and we had, we uh, we had we, we worked with um, you know uh, the the CDC uh, talking to people about different aspects of behavior change, like you know whether it was diet or getting tested for HIV or whatever. You know, you can always reach somebody in a very intimate setting. Audio is a very intimate setting more than than any other Mm -hmm. because you know right now we're wearing headphones and it's you are literally in someone's head it's true Um, yeah and often we're by ourselves we're in our car a lot unfortunately you should carpool by the way but if you're by yourself (laughs) that's another of your campaigns right (laughs) if if you're by yourself audio is is you in that person or that music or whatever that is you're connecting to and it's very very personal um, um so i think we we can reach people 
audio wise and in a very intimate way that nothing else can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, but. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you did. Yes. Um, I, I, yeah, you explained what you were doing with your clients as far as creating the radio campaigns. And I agree that it's a very storytelling heavy medium that you don't need to have a visual for. It kind of builds the visual in your head. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when we started doing Radio Outhouse, what we learned was these these clients needed other things as well. <laughs> so we we also could do those other things. So while we were Radio Outhouse, we were also doing, you know, videos and TV and websites and everything else. So ultimately, uh, we changed our name in 2011 to go, we do all this stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> so the change in the name was because you do so many other things? Is that, that was yeah. the idea? I think so. What happened was some of our clients were like, I didn't know you did trade show booths. It's like, oh, I guess we should let people know we do other things. But, you know, we've talked lately. It's like, I sort of, I miss, I miss the, the radio aspect of what we do. You know, the, the just having that as sort of our lead. And uh, so, but things are going well. This doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, right now, trade shows are probably out of the question. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but we also do videos. Hopefully that'll go away soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we do videos and, and design work and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vis- that's great. Visual things. Yeah, I guess coupling it with the audio makes it all have more of an impact. That's a, a, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you were also in on the beginnings of podcasting. Can you talk a little about that? Because like this is exploding now too. Yes. <laughs> so we back in two thousand and four, we had um, several hospital clients, and you know one of the things that we always heard from the physicians were, you know, one of the when they explain something. So for example, it doesn't matter what your diagnosis is. Mm-hmm. It could be serious. It could be, you know, something, you know, you have a sprained ankle, what, whatever that is. Once people get that, they don't hear everything the physician says. So inevitably we call the office back and say, what did he say? And what am I supposed to do? And how am I? And so that, you know, that person at the other end had to, you know, go over the same thing again. Mm-hmm. So what we started to do is create these mini podcasts for physicians to say for general, um, general mainly orthopedics and some cancer, but orthopedics, it was, okay, here's what ACL surgery involves. Um, here's what your shoulder surgery involves. So that when that patient, after the doctor has had his or her conversation with that patient, can hand them a little card and say, just go to this link. And everything I just said is right there. Because not only that, the person comes home and the spouse says, what did the doctor say? Yeah. Doctor said this, go to this site. So that's what, where it served. And, and especially with cancer, where we found, you know, obviously you hear that diagnosis. You don't hear anything oh, that yeah. is said after that. Yeah. So we, we recorded a good number of those that, that had these sort of, sort of an FAQ, but mm-hmm. audio wise. I've done a number of projects like that for voiceover, actually. So, yeah. 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 It's needed. So they were they were <laughs> they were needed, yeah, at the time. And this was two thousand and four and we thought to ourselves, you know, people engage with audio while they're doing something else. Mm-hmm. And so it is a, a ideal for a longer format. And we started to do some podcasts, but then we, we sort of let it go until, you know, recently. I Okay. And, and what's and happened we were, recently? <laughs> we were right. We were right uh-huh. about the podcasting, but we, we didn't find 
a lot of clients who thought who were who were seeing that and now we, we see it more and more where clients are like yeah you're right we should do a podcast mm-hmm. um and we started our own podcast uh, called uh, marketing upheaval uh back in last year 2019 and that's been a lot of fun as you probably know oh yeah yeah, I yeah. do. So what do you enjoy most about it? I mean, you get to interview interesting people, but I'm, I imagine you do solo episodes and talk about what you want to talk about. <laughs> well, it's funny. You asked that. I, we started the podcast for mercenary purposes to say, okay, this is going to give us more content for SEO and put us in touch with people and, and hopefully get listeners who are within our target audience to get new clients. Those are all the practical reasons. And now we do it for none of those reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just fun. (laughs) Now now it's just, I am fascinated with our guests and, and, and the, and the things I have learned of just listening to them in, it's amazing to me. How, how we're able to get these really smart people to, to talk about what they do. And uh, like I said, it makes me better at what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that, that, that's what I, what I enjoy m- most about it, is just meeting these folks and, and learning from them. Yeah. Um, oh, I totally relate, too. Yeah. The, the same thing is happening with me and my podcast. I learn new things every time I talk to someone. <laughs> yeah. Or even things that, that reinforce what you already knew. Or even, here's another thing, people who, things that you know, but the people I have on say it much more intelligently than I can. It's like, oh, I'm going to use that line. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, sometimes your, your thoughts on a matter might not be... Um, you know, maybe you need some updates or maybe mm-hmm. things have happened in the marketplace that have changed things slightly. Yeah. Or if you come at it from a different angle, like say when I talk to a musician, they're coming at it from a completely different angle than say a scientist. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're getting different perspectives on a whole bunch of different things. And it's it's really fascinating. Yeah. With the world changing as fast as it can, as fast as it is, rather, you have a choice. You can either just say, nope. I'm not going to, yeah. or you can just run straight into that wall and go, okay, I got to figure out what, what's going on. And, and I got to bring people who know what they're talking about to tell me. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the science aspect of this, because you had mentioned that sound is a very intimate medium, and I totally agree. Um, have you uh, looked into this, uh, the science of this as it pertains to sound? Or, you know, do you use like scientific aspects to make sure that your clients um, get the best ads? I mean, <laughs> obviously there's there's something to how our brains work in, in order to make this more effective. <laughs> yes. In terms of sound, in terms, so most of the, the science that we usually are studied in and, and uh, use when we talk to clients are, are the science of decision-making and, and behavior change. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not specific to audio. But, you know, there are several, you know, there's there's models of behavior change and there's, you know, things like the consequence model, the identity model. And so a lot of those things play into what we do audio wise and the intimacy of it. Um, You know, there are reasons why we engage with a certain brand and not others. There are reasons why we decide to change our behavior entirely Mm -hmm. uh, or not. You know, so so I think that what we've become expert in and brought in people who are expert in is just what are those what are those things that are going to make someone go from never thought about it to you know huh maybe or how i'm going to find out more i'm going to try it once to i do this all the time yeah and how do you hit people on those continuum to try to 
try to make that happen. Sure. How many of your clients do you think understand this? Like, are they thinking about sound before they get into the whole radio aspect or they're not really, they're just, you know, saying, telling you to do it for them? <laughs> well, you know, it's really neat. I, I, I've observed this with clients. When we first begin, some clients, not all, but some are t- tend to be a little bit micromanagey or not completely understand that it's sound. It's not, you know, I may write something down, but I have to read this to you and tell you how it's going to sound. And once they start to work with us a little bit and they hear how much detail we go into when we're thinking of it, when we're trying to execute it, you know, I always say, usually I'll always have a client come in and sit in the first session. And once they watch that first session, they don't come back. They just like, <laughs> you've got it. Just send it, send me the MP3 when you're done. So that I, I'm, I'm proud of that fact mm-hmm. because I, I'm, I do, I, it's not because I'm brilliant. I've just been doing this for a very long time and I know how to run a session. Well, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, <laughs> I can run a session and, and, and I'm glad that clients feel comfortable after that. Yeah. yeah. So talking about um, how, copy is written mm-hmm. for the ear as opposed to just being written in general? Because I know you also mentioned that in your latest blog about doing a radio spot. Yeah. Um, so can you explain a little about that? Uh, yes. And actually, the, the, uh, a sequel to that, which I'm writing now, called that one's called How to Write a Radio Commercial. The other one's called How to Produce mm-hmm. One. Yes. It, it, you know, it's funny. I'm going to tell you a little story. At, we were at PodFest together yeah. here a few weeks ago. And I ran into someone who I haven't seen in a very, very long time, an old friend. But when I first met him, he was a junior copywriter, just started. Mm-hmm. And um, he he was assigned radio because that's what you do in an agency to the junior writer. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he just showed scripts. And I was like, no, you have to read these. And he was mortified that he had to like perform these things. Like, no, it's, you cannot just write. You have to, because there are clunky parts that you don't, you don't get unless you read it out loud yeah but to, to to actually make a long story very short he he was very shy so he started to take improv classes and and quick fast pace he got great at it and now he does mainly comedy he's he's produced and been on his own comedy show huh. he does his own podcast he is he performs he's a great performer uh and a great writer talk about a rebel so, yeah that's like like an evolution of, of a person yeah so but <laughs> that's great but, but i think that um yeah you have to a lot of times people will write uh, like they write for the eye you know longer sentences with a few thoughts in it which makes sense and may flow beautifully, but if you tried to read that out loud, you know, you'd find the words aren't fitting together. They're clunky. Mm-hmm. You can't have more than one thought in a line in in, in radio because people are doing other things. Uh, they're driving, they're, they're cleaning, they're working out, they're doing something. Sure. And they don't have time to figure out the first part of that sentence and how it relates to the modifier in the second part of the sentence. Uh, so, you know, in any audio endeavor, I always recommend read it out loud because I think people most, they're reticent to do that because, um, you know, nobody, you're not used to just reading something out loud unless you're a preacher or public speaker, but there's no other way to do audio. Cause or I, a voice actor. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, you know, I think a lot of people don't do that when they're, when they're trying to write audio for the first time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more that goes into making it sound 
good when you're speaking it aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, also, fitting it into the time that you're allotted. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you just read that in your head, you know, yeah, sure, you might think you're within the 30 seconds, but someone tries to speak it. Yeah. And believe me, doing this on a regular basis, <laughs> yeah. I often run into that problem. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I and I always tell clients how much, you know, because they inevitably want to shoehorn a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and so you always say okay great what would you like me to take out and then and they always hesitate like i you know i recently had a situation where a client kept putting copy in and like i i can't you know i i had to you know in that case i had to read read a scratch at the pace that felt comfortable and then at the pace at which I could fit all their words Mm -hmm. and I actually had to go into my twisted wave and compress it (laughs) and go (laughs) yeah what do you want (laughs) yeah does this sound natural enough for you (laughs) most most clients get it though they don't at first then you explain it go oh yeah you're right Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting. It's always interesting when I'm in a voice session and they're rewriting the spot while I'm there. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> that happens often. It happens a lot more than you might think. <laughs> so years ago, I was working. Uh, we were working. We were doing radio commercials for a um, uh, mobile uh, provider. I won't mention mm-hmm. the one. Sure, it's a big one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we had a voiceover. And at the time, they had a retail store, so they were they had different offers in different markets. So you had the seven different radio commercials, plus each one had to have a different offer for different markets. Mm-hmm. Same voiceover. We were there all day. By the end of this, the, the VO was hoarse. He was done. You know, wow. that, was, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> we were all getting, that's, I mean, there's only so much. As I'm leaving, I see the client and another person scratching things out on the scripts and writing things. And I said, what are you doing? It's like, well, we were going to re-record these. Like, not today. <laughs> are you kidding? Oh, yeah. my goodness. I don't know if I should tell you that story. But anyway, oh. most clients get it. Most yeah. clients are great. I no, you're say, right. It, our it's clients true. are wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's true. Most clients do get it. But yeah, yes. I, I feel for that voice talent. I'll tell you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like, get it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it's by like, our stores. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's harder yeah. than you think. I mean, you know, sometimes we're just the performing monkeys. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I'm always amazed at VOs because um, you do have to adapt. Because with us, when, when, with us, I always view that talent as part of the creative process, mm-hmm. not someone who's trying to execute something because, you know, every creative person you bring in is going well supposed to make the final product better Mm -hmm. so you want your engineer to take what you did and make it better you want your talent to make it better you want the music to make it better so so that's what my hope is always when i enter any production this has been part one of our interview i hope you'll tune in next week for part two Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please take a moment to give the podcast a review. It's greatly appreciated and super helpful. Until next time.